0: My name is Andrea Hernandez. I'm with called 650 out of Artesia, New Mexico, and you're listening to the Old Patrol podcast. Honor first.
1: Greetings, and welcome to episode 21 of the Old Patrol HQ podcast. I'm your host, Gil Mazza. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, with a few shenanigans along the way. In celebration of Women's History Month, We will talk with Border Patrol agent Anne Marie Hernandez, class 650 out of Artesia, New Mexico. She's been a canine handler and has had some tough experiences in the patrol that have molded and shaped her into an extraordinary PA who's admired and respected by her peers. And we get to hear her story here exclusively at Old Patrol HQ. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first, honor always. Good morning, Anne Marie, and welcome to the Old Patrol HQ podcast.
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: I am doing just fine. Well, um, I'd like to start our conversation out by asking you how you initially got started and interested in the Border Patrol.
0: I, I'll tell you my my whole experience here.
2: Okay.
0: I'm. I went in at a, at a fairly towards like the last of way you can get into Border Patrol. When I went in, I came in at thirty six. So, prior to that, I had applied back when I got into college back in 1994. But what had happened was, I was told, hey, don't take the Spanish version of the test. It's hard. It's really hard. You're not going to pass it. You should take the artificial. So, dummy me, being Mm -hmm. I'm a native speaker, I took the artificial and not the Spanish version. And so, lo and behold, I didn't pass the test. Well, after that, I was really upset with myself and I didn't apply. Well, one day my husband came home um, and he tells me, hey, they're applying, they're taking a lot of applicants for Border Patrol. What do you think about um, applying? And I go, really? You think I should? He's like, yeah, why not? So I applied and here I am. And it was all because he actually encouraged me to do it. If it wasn't for him, I probably would still be... uh, an adult probation parole officer here in Alamogordo.
1: Oh, and, that, and that's what you were doing before the Border Patrol?
0: That's what I was doing before I was a Border Patrol agent.
1: And how long did you do that for?
0: I did that for five years. But I was also, I worked for the court system a lot. So for the first 10 years of my career, I was a, I was a victim advocate, a juvenile surveillance officer, and uh, a secretary. And the court system.
2: Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but yeah, that's that's how I became an agent. Was my husband's like, "Hey, you still interested?" And here I am. And you were
1: you were looking for something teachers.
0: different? Um, actually, you know, I really hadn't really thought about it. I was really content where I was, mm-hmm. but I had always wanted to be a border patrol agent, and I just never really thought about it again until he's the one that saw the. Announcement and came home and told me about it, and so I applied, and how I became an agent. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh,
1: and so um, you went to Artesia, New Mexico, for your academy. What was that like?
0: Probably one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. Mm. Um, only because I. Didn't know what to expect. I'll tell you my very first day there. So, when we get to the academy, I nobody told me what to expect when to get there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we all board the bus. Um, we get to Artesia. And the instructors come on. And they start telling us, welcome to Fletsy And they start giving us this feel about how, you know, what we're, what we're going to do. And we're here to help you and that kind of thing. So there's like, there's a bunch of us on the bus, and then the, we come into the gate, they come in and tell us that, they they go, hey, we'll be right back, they get off the bus, and not even two minutes later, they come in and they start yelling at you, get off my bus, get off my bus, and I'm thinking, what in the heck just happened, they were so nice, yeah, and I, I remember I remember there was a girl in front of me and she had a purse in her hand and she's starting to walk and I had a purse too. And she's starting to get off the bus and he's like, what are you doing with that purse? And I just see it swinging back to the back. Oh. And I, I looked at my purse and I just threw it. And <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to get de- yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, what happened? They were so nice. Now they're all mean. So at that point, I wanted to go home. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it was just crazy. Yeah, like what the heck did
1: you just get into?
0: Yeah, and so from there, it was just, I think what was really hard was just trying to learn everything Mm -hmm. and be the best that you can be, but I just never experienced that type of I guess like the military, because yes. that's pretty much how they go. So I, I was never, I never had people in my face telling me, you know, yelling at me like that. I was doing it to other people, but not, you know, it happening to me. So that was just like, what in the world is happening? It, it was just, it was hard at first because um, I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the fastest. Um, I had never shot a firearm before. Um, I never drove a car like they did. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just really, really different. So
1: yeah, and it um, seems like right because because you're not a kid going in. No, but you're getting yelled at as a kid, you know. Because yeah, I was 33 when I went in myself, and I was like the like the second or third oldest person in in, in my class.
0: Yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, it was just, it was crazy, and then I was only 113 pounds so i was getting thrown around like a rag doll and you know we we're doing um stacking and um but i fought through and i was scared of heights too so i had to overcome a lot of things that i never thought i would do as a female and when i went in i never realized that we had to do everything like the the males i thought you know okay we're female we're gonna get our times are going to be different. We're not going to have to do as hard. Oh no! It was like a culture shock, really, because I was never treated so much like an equal mm-hmm. as you are in the academy. So, which was good because it made me tougher. Yeah. And you know, so it was just it was just really different. It was um, being able to study everything, making sure you pass. Um, it, it was just it was different.
1: And, and how many other females were there in the fir- in that
2: class with you?
0: Um, when I went through there were six of us. Okay. And I believe four of us graduated. Ah. So, yeah, it was there was only, there was six of us. Okay. And
1: And if you had to pick something that was the most challenging for you at the academy, what do you think that would have been?
0: The PT. Mhm. PT was tough. Um, I never ran as much as I did. Yeah. Um, I never had to, I would say, like, defend myself as much as I did. You know, when you've got two, three bigger guys coming at you for stacking, that was, I think that was tough for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to show them that I could do it just as much as anybody else could. So, that was, that was tough.
1: And, and, and how yeah. was the wall for you?
0: The wall, you know, actually, for I'm a short person. I'm probably, I always tell people I'm 5'4", but they laugh at me because I'm like
2: 5'1". <laughs>
0: and so, um, I always try to make myself taller. I didn't have a problem with the wall as much. What I did have a problem with was the rope, going uh, across the rope, because I'm scared of heights. Yeah. And so... Letting go was scary for me, even though it
2: wasn't that, you know, much of a drop. I was, that
0: was hard for me. Yeah. Of all
1: of that. I gave myself a, like a second, almost third degree burn on that thing because I just didn't, you know, I didn't pay attention. I wasn't paying attention to exactly, you know, and I, you know, you kind of think to yourself, I, I can do this. I can, you know, no problem. But then I got up there and I dragged myself across. And man, when I got off of that thing, I didn't, even, I didn't even know until minutes later when all of a sudden the burn hit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember we were doing our midterm practice or finals mm-hmm. and I didn't pass and that was because of the rope. Oh. And I remember I remember my instructor, I went across, I'm at the end and he's telling me to let go and I told him, "Okay, sir, I'll let go. Just I'm going to count to 3 and then I'll let go." So I counted to 3 and I'm still hanging there <laughs> and he's like, Miss Hernandez, Hernandez, you better let go. And I said, okay, okay, I'll let go. And I go, oh God, he goes, oh no, God ain't gonna help you now. You better <laughs> let go. <laughs> so so I let go, but I, I mean, I didn't pass because I took too long on the rope.
2: Oh. So,
0: came, so came PT final, even my classmates didn't think I was gonna pass because I would never let go of the rope. And when PT came through the final, all I kept thinking is, I am not gonna fail because I am not gonna come back. I'm not gonna do this all over again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get sprayed with mace. I don't. I don't want to. I just don't want to come back. Yeah. So I'm. Um, we're doing the C course, and then I get to the rope, and I let go, and my instructor got has a heart attack because he's like, "Oh shit! She, she just she just let go," and he's like, "Run, run!" So I passed. Sweet. Yeah, it was It That's, was different.
1: That must have felt really, great, though.
0: Oh, my gosh. The accomplishment that you feel when you graduate yeah. is unbelievable. Graduating from the academy is one of the, my proudest moments in my life because I didn't think I was going to make it, and I made it. And nobody can ever take that away from anybody that goes through that. Um, yeah. that's your moment. Don't let anybody steal your thunder.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something to be said about the fact that you weren't given anything. You had to earn every last bit of it by, on your own, by yourself, and, uh, you know, with your own guts and grit. It,
0: that's, yep, that's exactly it. And it, it's, it's just a great feeling. Yeah. You know, to be able to say, I did that.
2: Even my husband's, like, You know,
0: he can't ever take that away from me either. He's, he's like one of my biggest supporters. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, he graduated. So it's just, it's just, it's just awesome. It it is, Uh, it is. I'm
1: telling you, you know, you never forget that because, you know, I went to Marine Corps boot camp and I thought that was the, the toughest thing I ever had to do in my entire life. Going to Border Patrol was, wasn't as tough mentally for me, but. You know, I was older and I, and it was a little more challenging for me. But I think the most challenging for me, thing for me at the academy uh, in Glencoe, because I, I went to Glencoe, and that was law. Just trying to take in all the law. I was a native speaker. I ended up doing really well PT wise anyway. But uh, but law, man, that, that that took everything I had.
0: And you know that that's probably one of the other second, probably another one that was really hard was the law because you're dealing with law that we don't deal on a daily basis as a as a citizen we don't know all the immigration stuff we just know what we hear on the news but we don't know that there's actual you know you have to have this like the i ninety fours and yeah. you know we don't you don't hear about that at all you know so that was that was tough learning all of that and you know, it's just, it's
1: different. <laughs> yeah. Well, besides that, it's, you know, immigration law. I'd rather try to, I, I'd rather try to set the timer on my VCR than deal with, you know, I mean, it just so, it just seems convoluted to me in, in, many, in so many different ways. You know, it was uh, difficult to make heads or tails of it. You memorize it, but it took a yep. long while before I actually kind of understood it.
0: Oh, yeah. I still sometimes don't understand it. Yeah. Because um, things yeah. change every day. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I think I'm still learning. Oh, I think...
2: I'll always,
1: I'll
0: always be a nug.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll always be a nug to somebody, right? Right. <laughs> so, you graduate the academy, and then you report... What was the first duty station you reported to?
0: My first duty station was Santa Teresa.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, so... That was another shock for me because I, always, I lived in, I was raised in Alamogordo, mm-hmm. and so the only Border Patrol I ever saw were the checkpoints. So I thought, not really researching Border Patrol like I should have, I thought Border Patrol was all checkpoint. That's what I thought they did. Mm-hmm. So I get to Santa Teresa,
2: and I'm like, um, where are the checkpoints? They're like, there are
0: no checkpoints like, well, what do we do? We patrol the desert and I'm like, "You mean I got to be out there by myself?"
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-oh. So, yeah, that was that was different for me to actually think that, yeah, I was going to be out there in the desert.
1: So, what was Which it now, like? I, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: What no, what was it like?
1: Hey, what was it like um, walking into the first night at you know at Muster when you had the report in and, you know, you were on the training unit, right?
0: Yes. It was kind of walking into, a I want to say, like a lion's den because everybody, you walk in and, you know, you, you just see all these agents and they're looking at you like, oh, no, not another one, you know, kind of like... I don't even know how to explain it. It's more like, what are you doing here? You know, we don't want you guys. but They do, but they don't. Right. Um, and just, uh, I was scared because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if they were going to be nice, if they were going to be, I mean, it was just, it, it was like, I, I can't even describe the feeling, when it was it's like. Surreal.
1: It, it's surreal. It's surreal, yeah. right? I mean, it's like it's almost like you're watching yourself walk into this whole new environment, and, and everybody's glaring at you, and your journeyman's, everybody's raring to take you out into the field and just put you through the paces. And
0: I remember our first night, you know... They have the tables in Buster, and they told us the trainees have to sit in the first two rows. Mm-hmm. You don't sit anywhere else. <laughs> you don't stand in the back. You don't stand on the side. You sit in the first two rows, and yeah. I'm like, well, it's you know, it's a big deal. Well, that was part of you know your initiation into the station, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm sitting in the front row, and you know, that first night, we had to stand, or the first day, we had to stand and introduce ourselves to everybody in Muster. And you've got all these senior agents, and you're like, you know, they're booing you. And I'm like, <laughs> why are they booing me, you know? So, yeah, it was just a, it was a really different experience.
1: And so know, what, what what was the work like?
0: And Santa Teresa, was a lot of line work. Um, Mm -hmm. When I first got in, we were able to do VRs, and we were pretty busy at the time. There was a lot of trails that we were having to run, you know, to run. I remember we would get 20. I mean, now this is nothing compared to now, but back then we would, like, get 30, 40, 50 people a night. And we would just do the quick VRs, and they would get sent back unless it was a reinstatement or an ER. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty much, you know, they do VRs and the bats. But we would, uh, there was uh, trails, we were having to track, foot sign. I mean, it was, it was pretty busy. It was different. I remember I was finally out on my own mm-hmm. after my 10 month and I was, if nobody knows like the area of Santa Teresa, it's between Deming and there's damning in Santa Teresa and we had that area between there and I remember patrolling out there by myself and you know your next partner is like five ten miles away and I remember going down this road down the border road and there's this area that had like high brush and then into Mexico you could see a house and I would I was always scared I would always get like the back of my hair stand up in that area because you couldn't see uh, because of the brush yeah and so what I would do is like I would wear especially in the wintertime I would wear my beanie and I would put my jacket kind of standing up on my or in the nape of my neck and I go god I hope they can't tell that I'm a girl because I don't want them to like target me because I'm a female and that was something that would always go through my mind is that because you always hear that they're they have as much surveillance on us as we have on them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm wondering if they know I'm a girl. So I would like try to try to disguise myself to look like a male, so that they wouldn't want to bug me. I guess. But so that they wouldn't the target
1: you in particular.
0: Exactly. Or, so or, it was just different.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, and. Uh, so, uh, out of all the work out there, initially, what did you what did you take to? What did you enjoy doing most?
0: I really liked being out in the field and tracking sign and being able to just. It was it was different because, like I tell, I came to a checkpoint station. So I tell the guys, you know, there's nothing like working out in the desert like that because you have a lot of freedom mm-hmm. to be able to to move around you, if you find. If you find sign, you can track it. It's it's just like working outside is just neat. I yeah. love it. I think it's I think it's fun. You know I mean to get paid to to be able to, for example, hike Cristo Rey. When you're actually working, you're making sure people aren't coming in yeah. illegally. You really have the best of of the best of both worlds. Yes. You know, so it was neat. It was really good work experience for me to be out there and do what I did.
1: And initially out there, did you uh, did you encounter some big groups? Did you ever encounter DOPA or anything like that while you were out there?
0: Um, one time there was, I remember I was working in the area with one of my coworkers in Cristo Rey and one of the sensors went off, so we went to go check it. And we encountered two guys and we um, detained him, and then when we got him to the vehicle, well, we, we kind of did like a quick pat down on him, and then we took him to the vehicle, and then we did a thorough search, and when we were on there walking him back, I told my coworker, I said, this guy looks kind of, he kind of looks too bulky, because he had a jacket, a huge jacket, he was skinny. Well, he had a Coke taped to him. So that was one of the times that we had, I had gotten dope there. I encountered not big groups. If I did, it was like more in five or six, but with other agents. And I remember Sensor went off in the Crystal Ray area and two body Osteca guys I apprehended Mm -hmm. on my own, which was kind of scary after the fact because you don't know who you're encountering until after. You know, you just think they're regular people. Um, I've seen drive throughs It's just, there's just a lot of different things that happen out there. I've seen kids get lost. I've seen crazy people. You know, there's just, there's a lot of different experiences that you can deal with while you're working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, how did your your career or your, uh, begin to progress from there?
0: When I was in Santa Teresa, I, I hadn't really thought about doing a lot. I just was trying to learn as much as I could out in the field before even thinking about promoting or getting details. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had always been told when I first got to my station is one of the spills that your FTO tells you is, and this is what they've been told as well, don't even bother putting in for details because you have to have so many years' experience before they'll even look at you or even consider you. Mm -hmm. So... And I didn't take it to heart as much, and I was like, "Well, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing what I'm doing, and then later on, I'll start putting in for details." So, about my fourth year, mm-hmm. they had an acting supervisor positions open, and I, I was selected, and I did that. And then after that, I did. I went to the AUSA liaison. I did that detail. I was in Las Cruces. And then from there, I went back to the station, was on the line for a little while, and then I picked up the Intel one of the intel positions there, and then I did that for a little while, and then I, after that, I went back to the line for a while, and I then picked up the, a position with the critical incident team, I did that for a little while, and then after that, I got a swap to Alamogordo, and... I was doing checkpoint for a little while, and then I became a canine handler.
1: You just transferred to Alamogordo, or did you promote to Alamogordo?
0: No, I did a swap. Um, Okay, you did a
2: swap.
0: Yeah, it was just a swap.
2: Okay.
0: And the reason for that is because my husband was living in Alamogordo, and I was off and on living in Santa Teresa. So for the first, I want to say, nine years, eight and a half, nine years, I was either commuting back and forth, Which is, I believe it's a little, it's almost an hour and 45 minutes one way. Or I was living in a mobile, at a fifth wheel, and I would stay there during the week and then come home on my days off. Mm -hmm. So when a swap was available, that I put in for it, and that's how I got it to come back to Alamogordo.
1: Ah, okay. And so, let me ask you: during this whole time, from the time you joined and went through the academy and got to uh, Santa Teresa first, and then finally Talmogordo, was there anything in particular that you experienced that, that, as a female, that was different for you?
0: Um, there was, I, I know there. I had encountered a few um, agents that were old school. Mm-hmm. They didn't think a female belonged in the border patrol. Um, and they wouldn't so much say it per se, but they would test you, especially as a trainee, mm-hmm. because they're going to try and break you to see if, you know, if you're going to back them up. So the way I see it is they're a little harder on the female agents because you're out in the field with them and they want to make sure you're going to back them up. Yeah. That was that was my perception. But there were some of them that just did not believe that women belong in Border Patrol. And so they were either they would ignore you or they would just be really ugly to you to try, you know, to break you, to make you think that you don't belong working with them. And so to me that was hard because I never worked anywhere where... Me being a female really mattered, so mm-hmm. that was that was different. And what what year did you go in? I EOD January first two thousand seven. Oh, in
1: two thousand seven. So did you feel like you um uh, you had a particular challenge to you know to go out there and work a little harder and uh, to prove yourself at all?
0: Absolutely, I thought mm-hmm. I had to prove myself every day. As far as like changing attire, <laughs> if I found foot sign, being able to get on the radio and tell the guys, hey, I've got I got a sign of two here. I'm going to get on it. You know, I didn't want them to think that they had to carry me or carry my workload. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, if I got foot sign, I didn't want them to hurry up to where I'm at and think that I couldn't do it myself. So I would always get on there and say, I've got a sign of two. I'm going to get on it. If somebody can just leapfrog. That was my way of, of proving to them that I can do it just as much as anybody else can without them having to help carry my workload. Yeah. And I felt like I had to prove myself all the time. Up until a certain time and then after a while they knew that hey, she's going to work. She's going to back me up. She's not, you know, she's not afraid. So I, I it, it took a while. I felt like it took a while to get that trust that I'm going to be there for them.
1: That field cred?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And do you believe that you earned it?
0: I feel like I did earn it. I do. And I think how I how I felt like I earned it was just the different interactions that you have with somebody. So what I mean by that is if, like for instance, I remember you would, they would put like your work assignment where you were going to be the following day so you could hear guys talk, oh, man, I don't want to work with so-and-so because I'm going to have to answer all the censors. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, man, so-and-so is just going to go hide and not help.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you would hear, like, oh, cool, Hernandez is in my area. I know she's going to help me with censors. She's not just going to leave me. Ah. So I feel like my work credibility, I, I proved it.
1: And that means something that that sure does mean something because like it or not everybody knows everybody knows what's what and who's who out there and and you know when you've earned the respect of your peers and uh, just from talking to uh, will Inman for instance are you know our mutual friend and a couple of others yeah I, I'd say you definitely they speak so highly of you so I'd say you definitely earned your street credentials or your oh, field credits you. I say
0: oh thank you I and I still feel like I I'm going to continue to do that. I'm not going to, you know, from the, my very last day here, I'm going to keep working with my, my co-workers, my brothers and sisters. You know, I'm not going to leave them dry.
2: Yes. That's not
0: who, you know, who I am. And I will continue to, to back up my brothers and sisters. Yes. Because that's what they are.
1: And there is something to be said about that. Because even now that I'm on the verge of retirement, I didn't want to... Go out with everybody saying, well, yeah, you know, the guy was retired on duty. He didn't participate. He didn't do his share. He didn't pull his own weight anymore. He's just one of those old guys, you know, on his way out. Uh, There's something to be said about at least working it till, you know, till the very end and going out in a way that is still, you know, shows, you know, you get some respect.
0: Well, I think it's respect on their part, but also the respect that you have for yourself as well.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: Um, so that's what's important you don't want to lose respect for who you are um doing your job mm-hmm. so
1: and so but, i get the impression that that the canine that getting on the canine unit was was big for you so tell me how that how that how that got initiated how'd you get interested in the canine unit
0: i had always been when i became a border patrol agent that was like my number one goal was to become a. A canine handler. so you already had that in your mind I already had that in my mind okay. um, I knew I knew I couldn't get that done in Santa Teresa because at the time there's only four canine handlers and they had been handlers for years mm-hmm. so um, to get the opportunity at the time that I went there I knew it was gonna be a long wait well when I got to Alamogordo I was even, you know, they solicited it for canine handlers, and I thought, man, I've only been here a little while. I really don't know much about the checkpoint, but I'm going to do it. And so I, I put in, I got um, accepted to go to CSEP. I went to CSEP. That was the second hardest thing I've ever done in my career as a
2: board patrol agent, was uh-huh.
0: going to CSEP. Um, because you're learning how to work with another living being that has a mind of their own <laughs> and you know so you can't you it was it was that was hard because you, you look at the canine handlers and you're like man that's got to be easy you, anybody can do that oh heck no <laughs>
2: um,
0: it's not easy you've got to learn how to walk backwards and look at your dog and you're i mean you're responsible for it's he's not yours He's the property of the government, yeah. so anything that happens to him falls back on you, like losing equipment, and you get in trouble. You know, or you have to write a memo. Something happens to your dog; they're going to question. You know, what happened? Why did you, Why did he get out of the yard? You know, why wasn't he in the kennel? Um, so it was C step was was another tough tough academy that I went to. It was stressful rewarding at the same after i graduated i was like man i did this this is Mm -hmm. this is another great feeling and i get to go home with a partner um it was it was another awesome feeling that i achieved while a border patrol agent and i'll never forget the experience that i had at csep whether it was hard or not it was something that it was rewarding
1: yeah and how long were you there? How long was that training?
0: I I went in July and I graduated in September into September.
2: Oh, okay. So it's
0: about seven weeks. Seven to eight weeks, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. So and you know, like the first the first part of the academy
2: you're 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 learning the law of, you know, the, of having the canine, what you can and can't do. Yeah. Um, you're learning all the book stuff, and then they introduce you to the dogs, and that was scary, because
0: some of them dogs got their hyper, and they, their teeth are showing, and, and I love dogs. I love dogs. And, you know, they're, the first day they introduce you to the dogs, are like, okay, so-and-so, you go get that dog. And you go in there, and you have to put the first saver on it, and the dogs jump in, and He's spinning around, and they expect you to go in there, and control the dog, and get him out. Well, the dog that I, my first dog that I had to go get, he kept running from me, and they're like, "Get him!" I'm like, "I'm trying," but he's not, he's not cooperating. So at that time, you have to show them that you can be the alpha, and not them. Yeah. So that was that was, and then they have you work with different dogs, and, and until they pair you up with the one that they that you think they think you're going to work well with and yeah it's, it's different and you're you're graded on how you hold the leash how you how you look at how you can see the dog's alert i mean you're graded on things that you're like really you're gonna grade me on how i hold the leash <laughs> so yes it's it's a different experience but it was fun i loved it
1: who did you end up getting paired up with
0: I got a chocolate lab. His name was Choco. Choco. That was my partner. Ah. Yep. He was about an 85-pound lab. And that was my, he was my partner. So, which I was, when I first saw him and they told me I was going to take him home, I was like, really? I get a lab? I don't get a German Shepherd? Because
2: that's what I wanted. Yeah. And I got a lab, and I would not trade him
0: for the world. He is my buddy. That dog is—he's—he's he's my savior. I can tell you that.
1: And so you guys are still working together?
0: No, they retired him. He's been retired a little over a year.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: He's he's, he's retired.
1: And so, so he, he gets to stay home. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, but he's with you.
0: Yep, he's at home. He's uh, at my house. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: I can imagine. I can imagine. And so yeah. um, you graduate, you got your partner, you head back to the station, and now what?
0: So now I have to learn how to work with him outside of CSET because he, working in a controlled environment mm-hmm. is different than working in an air, in a, in the uncontrolled environment where, you know, working at checkpoint. Because the dogs, they come out and they they smell things they've never smelled before. So, you know, you get cars coming through the checkpoint, and and my dog's there, and I'm like, God, is he alerting or is he just smelling stuff? So I had to learn how to work with him all over again, which is hard because there's other dogs that are coming through. There's other people, the smells of cars, and you're trying to learn his behaviors outside of a controlled environment and so that was really different and you know i have a few funny stories with him i remember uh,
2: <laughs> i was new at canine handling and the guy's they secondary
0: to the vehicle and they, hey can you run your dog around the the vehicle and oh sure so I was i should have did a pre-search which i should have looked in the vehicle make sure there was nothing in there he could get into or you know get hurt with and i yeah. i didn't i was nervous so i run him around the outside and he he's like his nose goes up in the air and so i'm like oh maybe there's something in the car so i opened the car door and i put him in there and so i'm, I'm telling him where to go and, and uh s- search and all of a sudden, as I hear this chomping, all I hear is a like, what the heck is he doing? And I look, and there's this big old olla, and it has a bunch of empanadas in it.
2: Oh, man. He, <laughs> he, took,
0: he took a bite of an empanada, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I got him out real quick, and I covered it back up, and I told the guys, you know what, send this car on its way. <laughs> so my do- <laughs> so he took a bite of an so it was, and he would always alert to cheese. Well, he, You know, he would always smell cheese, and yeah. he'd go happy. But yeah, that, I mean, it's, he, he really went crazy over old ladies with white hair. He just went crazy over them. Uh, it was, working with the canine is different, <laughs> a lot different.
1: And um, so. did you guys end up, uh, you know, uh, catching some good loads?
0: Um, yeah, we, I've caught, he caught, I shouldn't say me, him, um, us as a team. Yeah. We got, uh, one of our first loads was like 120 pounds of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And we got like 20 pounds of, probably 40 pounds of cocaine. Um, there was a time that one of the vehicles um, the guys, the the shift before, had pulled a secondary vehicle and they had found some dope in it. It was um, meth. And the next day, or a day, or I think it was the next day, I went and I go, I'm gonna go train my dog on this car because it still probably has the odor in it. And so I asked him, Well, where did you guys find the? The drugs and they told me it was in the back seat i'm like okay so i run him and i knew that the smell was going to be in the back seat so i was trying to get him away from the back well he kept alerting to the to the side panel on the passenger side and i kept telling the guys hey there's got to be more in here sure enough there's like 80 pounds more of mass in there that he he found so we got some pretty good loads you know for us being short timers but we did we got good loans it was that was a good feeling to have you and your partner
1: find something together that was that was a good feeling I can imagine I can imagine and uh, how many how many years did you guys w- work together before he retired uh,
0: from 2016 to 2020 it was four years
1: oh, four years
0: yeah, and normally, there, I think there was some reasoning behind um, when he got retired. He was, he was getting older, and I think that he felt that he, because he was getting older, well, me back up. So a detail came open here at the station, and I put in for it. And they told me that if I got it, that I'd have to give up my dog. And I told them, well, I'm not going to give up my dog. So the other person that put in for it um, got the position, I mean, had a canine as well, and they told him the same thing. Well, if you get it, you have to give up your dog. And then he's like, no, I'm not going to give up my dog. So they came and they asked me again, are you sure you you don't want the detail? And I'm like, no, not if I have to give up my dog. I said, I'll only take the detail if you can retire him. And they're like, well, how old is he? And I said, well, he's, he's six. And they're like, okay, well, uh, we'll, let, we'll look into it. So they looked into it, and they thought, well, yeah, he's already getting to the age where it would take, like, about another year for him to get fully trained with another handler before they became a good team. Yeah. By that time, he'd be already retired, so they went ahead and retired him. And so then I got uh, then I got the detail. <laughs>
2: And what
1: was that detail?
0: Uh, the border community liaison. Oh, uh, okay. He would have been a good McGruff dog, but I guess I wouldn't use him as McGruff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they prefer humans so. with uh, humans and dog and dog costumes for that.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that was. We've I've dealt a lot with um, being a canine handler is. It's stressful, but it's fun and rewarding. I have to learn that what's really hard is you can't treat them like pets. You have to treat them as a tool, and that was that's a hard thing to grasp is yeah. treating them like a tool. I got injured um, back in 2018 um, by one of the dogs here at our station.
1: This includes part one of our interview with Border Patrol agent anne Marie Hernandez, class 650, out of Artesia, New Mexico. Please join us for the conclusion to this great interview in part two. Honor first, honor always.